الجزيرة بودكاست Sergei Lavrov is visiting Mali this week in the first official trip by a Russian foreign minister to the West African nation. Mali's junta has turned to Moscow to help it fight armed groups and fighters from the Wagner Group have replaced troops from the former colonial power France. Wagner is a private military organization run by an ally of President Vladimir Putin and now operates in several African countries. Is Moscow extending its reach in Africa at the expense of Western powers? Hello, I'm Adrian Finnegan. This is the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze, and help to define major global stories. Let's bring in our guests for today's discussion from Moscow. We're joined by Sergei Markov, who is director at the Institute of Political Studies from Ankara, Avigwe Aguegu, who's a policy analyst at the consultancy Development Reimagined that focuses on Africa. And in Paris, we're joined by Jazine Weber, who's a fellow at the German Marshall Fund of the United States. A warm welcome uh, to you all. Sergey, let's start with you. What does Russia want in Africa? Does it want access to mineral resources? Does it want business for Russian companies, military partnerships, to humiliate former colonial powers in Africa? All of those, or is it just that it needs all the friends it can get at the moment? I think uh, all of those uh, goals which you mentioned about, uh, they are reasonable. Uh, uh, First of all, uh, famous, most effective in the world, uh, private military company, uh, Wagner, uh, making it a business. They're making a military consultant to the uh, Mali government, to the... Central African Republican uh, government to uh, uh, Burkina Faso government and some others. Uh, it's uh, the business. They're getting money from this. Also, uh, because of strategic uh, military uh, cooperation with Mali government, uh, uh, Wagner and another Russian business, uh, business group can have uh, different contracts and uh, uh, to get uh, some money. Also, because friendly relation between Russia and Mali uh, government. Uh, Russia can uh, develop uh, economic cooperation with Mali and uh, sell uh, oil without uh, uh, oil uh, cap, without this limitation of price, uh, grain to, send gr- uh, to sell grain and uh, some others. And uh, uh, the, the fact that uh, uh, France is uh, quite offended by this uh, Russian behavior. It's uh, not uh, probably pragmatic, uh, but also a uh, pleasing thing. Uh, from our point of view, France is uh, France now is enemy. It's uh, uh, France uh, is part of the hybrid war against Russia. France uh, weaponry killing Russian soldiers and support terror against uh, pro-Russian political forces in Ukraine. And uh, more... Uh, uh, problems to France. Of course, it's uh, psychologically positive. Hang on. Well. Did, did you say that, that, that France is killing Russian soldiers in Ukraine? Yes, uh, because uh, France is giving uh, uh, weaponry and uh, uh, officers who is uh, uh, play off uh, in, okay. uh, as instructors uh, for right. Ukrainian... Uh, repressive regime, okay, right. and uh, they're soldiers. OK, I, I don't really want to get bogged down in Ukraine. This this is a discussion about, about Africa at, at the moment. I just wanted you to, to yeah, clarify yeah. That, that remark. Yeah. Uh, Avigwe, let's, let's, let's put this to you then. What, what is Russia doing in Africa right now? Will its engagement bring about 
the peace, the development that many of the countries uh, that it has security uh, partnerships with want? Yeah, I think if we go back to the 2019 uh, Russia-Africa summit in, in Sochi, you'd, you see the uh, you see the signs of, of what Russia is really trying to achieve with the, with the continent. And it's really important to start from that po from 2019 because that you know, predates the, the the war in Ukraine. And about 40 African you know, uh, uh, leaders were, were present. And you could see from the tone and the communication that Russia is indeed uh, very keen on forming you know, uh, uh, strong relations with African countries, area of polit um, political relations, uh, energy security, and, and so on and so forth. But uh, at the moment, one of one of the clear uh, one of the clear needs that Russia really really wants uh, to maintain at least or even to show up his influence on, on the continent because post uh, the, uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, uh, there, there's been a lot, lot of need for Russia to have friends uh, to avoid uh, diplomatic isolation and African countries, but half the country uh, the continent is actually split in uh, uh, half of the, the continent is split in half rather with half voting to be neutral or at least or against uh, the resolutions that we saw in the UNG in March you know, uh, last, last year and, and onwards. So uh, the diplomatic angle is very important for Russia because uh, as the war goes on, there is likely to be more and more of these uh, incidents where there is need for you know, friends and allies to vote in, in accordance with, with this position. Also, uh, it's also important to understand the, the dynamic here that it's not just about Russia, but also African countries themselves, because uh, no, the Russians are not coming, putting guns in the African, uh, to the African leaders to say, you have to employ our services or bolster ties with us. African countries have legitimate interests that they are pursuing to Russia as well, particularly in the area of security. But uh, we would see from the pattern of the cooperation in security, I, I think uh, it remains to be seen how well that translates more into national security, because so far, uh, it's more of a regime security, uh, even though uh, these uh, advisors, as they, they claim to be, are, of course, you know, advising uh, the government in, in terms of the broader issues of uh, security of terrorism and other transnational crimes. Uh, Jazine, in, in, uh, in Paris, um, Russia's foreign minister has wined and dined his way through African capitals in, in recent months, welcomed... Uh, by most as, uh, as an old friend, is the West being outmaneuvered by Russia in Africa? Well, um, France has already made it uh, quite clear last year that um, the operations of the Wagner Group in Mali are not compatible with the engagement of, or with the deployment of French forces. And that is also why France um, withdrew its forces uh, from Mali. But um, I think that we are overall seeing a shifting pattern in the region, also by, for example, by the fact that the human rights director of the United Nations mission um, for stabilization in MINUSMA uh, has been expelled from Mali. And um, also that more and more um, Western countries, such as, for example, Sweden or the UK, have been withdrawing their forces from the MINUSMA version. So indeed, um, Western countries are pulling out here. And we see um, that this um, is also due um, either because they are expelled or because they are declared um, as not welcome, because these activities um, of stabilizations are just not compatible with what Wagner is doing. But what we also see in the region overall is that security cooperation 
um, or like counterterrorism stabilization looks much and um, looks more and more like um, a comp uh, competition for geopolitical influence. Sergey, you, you mentioned the Wagner Group. What is it doing on the ground in Africa? The, the, the Wagner Group stands accused of committing human rights abuses. The Kremlin has, denies that it has anything to do with its, its presence there, that, it, that it's not officially sanctioned by, by Russia. It has no legal status internationally. Uh, why does Russia tolerate its presence there? Or uh, can Russia not achieve its aims in Africa without it? Uh... Uh, I think uh, that Mali government has problems with security because Tuaregs and uh, uh, African branch of um, uh, Al-Qaeda. And the uh, Mali government prepare uh, to use uh, uh, French uh, uh, militaries, French troops uh, to secure, uh, to preserve their security. But uh, France was not able to do it. And it was decision of the president of France, Macron, to reduce military uh, presenting in Mali in the, the condition when uh, the security threat to Mali appeared to be not smaller, but, but bigger. But can, in such conditions... Can, can, uh, can, uh, uh, you, say, you say that France was unable to do it. Can, can, can the Wagner Group do it? I mean, as I said to you in the question, that they're, they're accused yeah. of human rights atrocities on the ground. Uh, uh, we believe uh, that uh, uh, those uh, international organizations which uh, are controlling so-called human rights uh, uh, issues, they are politically corrupted and they are lying. Uh, if some political organization not directly accused, for example, Ukrainian government, for the sharp total uh, violation of human rights, it means that it's not honest and it's uh, mm -hmm. no reason to trust to such an uh, organization. Um, and uh, uh, Wagner is very effective uh, for the government. And, you know, sometimes uh, these military clashes in Africa appear to be quite cruel. And uh, uh, high effectiveness of uh, uh, Wagner uh, come to the fact that more and more African government want uh, uh, to invite Wagner uh, to help them. Avigwe, what do you make of that? Uh, what are the dangers for African states in, in cozying up to Russia, uh, particularly the ones who are being propped up by, by Russian arms and mercenaries? I think one of the one of the things to actually start the conversation with is why they are there in the, in, the, in the first place. If if you if you go back to you know, Mali in particular in 2013 uh, and 2012-2013 when issue, the issue of stability was 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 really high, we saw of course um, Minusma being being deployed and uh, from 2013 to present still very much active Operation Bakan. So th there is there is a there is of course the logic that if these two operations haven't worked as large as they are, I mean, it's about fifteen thousand operation back on until was uh, they drew down and we drew was about five thousand. Then the question of can a few thousand Russian mercenaries really do what about seventeen thousand you know, troops you know, uh, couldn't do? If if, they, if if anyone who says they can, I think that is being naive or just being uh, you know, dis dishonest. However. The African government themselves, they have this, the right and, and the sovereignty to decide who their security partners should be. And if, they, if at this point in time, they, they, these are, of course, bearing in mind, these are military officers leading the government. So they know what war is like. They know what the security needs of their country is. 
And if they believe that it is Wagner that can provide that security, well, I think we'll have to wait and see you know, the result. But considering the scale of problems that, uh, that was, what of course, seen in West Africa and in Sahel, I think it is, it is, not, it is not possible that Wagner will be able, will be able to, to provide the kind of comprehensive you know, security uh, that, uh, that West Africa needs, or at least the Sahel needs. How, now, if that, is, if that is a likely outcome, then what are the costs? And the costs are already very, very clear, for instance. You will see the pressure already coming from you know, Western countries. You know, Mali has been kicked out of Agoa. The United States kicked out Mali out of Agoa. And then we're also seeing to, uh, the U.S. You know, also passing a, an act last, uh, last year, April last year, uh, HRO 7311. I think it's the countering malign Russia uh, uh, activities in Africa, which the AU has rejected, the Southern African Development Commission uh, community has rejected because the concern is that that act is going to create a legislative framework mm. for sanctioning countries. So the diplomatic costs are already building up. The political, you know, economic isolation is already is already happening. And even worse is that countries in the region, uh, neighbors of Mali or Burkina Faso, are even very very concerned. In in the last U.S. Uh, Africa summit uh, in the U.S., the Ghanaian president, you know, uh, expressed his concern. Uh, and when he mentioned the fact that Burkina Faso uh, has actually contracted you know, uh, uh, Wagner. Bearing in mind, uh, uh, the Burkina Faso government, uh, Junta, has already said, uh, prom uh, told the, uh, the U.S. Undersecretary of State, Victoria Nuland, during her visit, that they wouldn't, con they wouldn't uh, contract the services of, 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 of Wagner. So what we're seeing is everyone except the government in Mali, in, in Burkina Faso, is, re is really concerned. But I think the, the emphasis of the Malian government or the Burkina Bay government has to be within the region. Yeah. What the United States is saying, what the Europeans think is relevant, but I think regional countries need to be their first uh, uh, priority outside, of, outside of, of their own countries because these problems are regional and they require regional solutions. Jazeen, with Africa increasingly becoming something of a, a political chessboard, what is Europe's game plan, its, its long-term strategy? Does it even have one? And, and, and what about the US, which is also... Uh, guilty of propping up uh, uh, authoritarian regimes and ignoring uh, human rights abuses. The, the, I suppose the one advantage that the U.S. has over Russia right now is is money, which it can it can throw at Africa. So, um, in fact, it's a bit difficult to speak about Europe's game plan here, um, because um, I recall that um, the competence of the European Union when it comes to uh, foreign and security policy or also security and defense policy is um, still running through the member states. So all these decisions are taken by unanimity, um, which means that it very much depends on what uh, national governments prioritize um, as strategies vis-a-vis uh, -vis Af Africa. In fact, um, one game, game plan, if you want to put it like that, uh, or let's better say one approach that is widely shared by Europeans, so by the EU, but also by the UK, is um, that basically all Europeans say that we need a so-called connected approach um, to security, which relies on improving uh, the living conditions and um, to eliminate, for example, the root causes of instability, um, which then potentially could also fuel uh, terrorism and um, overall um, 
yeah, a more instable region. So the idea is really to eliminate that. However, we see that um, the current situation makes that increasingly difficult um, for Western countries, um, even though, for example, the EU has just extended the mandate of its cap uh, capability building mission in Mali, but I guess we might see some reconsiderations there in uh, the next months potentially as well. But um, the thing is, we also see that, for instance, France has halted its development, official development aid in late um, 2022. So overall, Europeans are really reconsidering their approach to the region right now. Um, if I may, one word maybe on the US. Um, overall, and particularly before Russia's war against Ukraine, the um, US saw Africa more um, and particularly also crisis management in Africa support, um, like capability building and so on, saw that particularly as a European responsibility. But in the context of Ukraine and also uh, the increased Russian activity in the region, I think that the US will approach this question also from a more geopolitical angle and also more think about um, questions of influence there. Sergey. So, okay. Exclusive resource extraction deals have been central to several security commitments between Russia uh, and several African governments. Is the Kremlin using Africa to financially sustain its special military operation in Ukraine? You know, I'm directly, of course, we can say about uh, this. Uh, but uh, if, uh, and if Russia will make uh, some economic deal with uh, Mali, some Russian private companies. Uh, this private company will pay uh, taxes to Russian budget, and the Russian budget will be used for uh, military operation. But it will take so much time that uh, we, uh, that, uh, in fact, it doesn't work, because we believe that Russia uh, will uh, uh, finish its military operation and uh, will establish uh, peace and uh, security in Ukraine, um, uh, quite uh, quickly during uh, this year. And uh, so uh, the money uh, from the uh, Russian uh, Mali private business uh, will come only uh, already after this war will be uh, over. But you should take an account that African countries also very much remember that Russia during all history support the anti-colonial war. That why Africans love Russians, they respect Russians. Uh, they uh, want uh, to rely on Russians. And uh, African countries, uh, of course, they use cooperation with uh, uh, Western countries. But sometimes they uh, uh, regard Western countries as a colonial or uh, uh, new colonial countries. It's exactly a Russian-made uh, message. Uh, United States, Britain, uh, uh, okay. France, and other European countries, um, they want to uh, re-establish new colonialism system. Okay, uh, Vigre, uh, let's, let's pick up on that. Um, uh, Russians are highly respected in Africa. Maybe, I suppose, given that it's sending weapons to prop up authoritarian regimes and, and military governments, what about the people, though? Do people in Africa see Russia as an ally? Will Russia ultimately become as despised, perhaps, as the former colonial powers. Uh, the younger generation in Africa is, is pretty clear that it sees the future uh, as African democracy. Uh, that's how they want to be governed in, in the future. Will they tolerate 
any Russian or, or, or Western presence uh, on the continent in the long term. So if you look at uh, the coups that have been happening, in every scenario, you always find African, uh, Africans waving a Russian flag and speaking to how uh, they, they support their, 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 the, the incoming uh, military government and they want partnership with Russia. And just like the previous speaker said, yes, there, there is a lot of uh, positive sentiments towards Russia. Russia, And it, it, I would say even the Russians are punching way above their weight because, for instance, uh, Russian, uh, Russian FDI as a percentage influence to Africa is about 1%. That is very, very low. And in, in, many, in many countries, the bilateral trade is very much negligible. So how and what is sustaining you know, this friendship, I think a lot of it has to do with the, uh, with the anti-colonial struggle, but also a lot of it has to do with the re resentment of the West. And that is particularly true. Not necessarily the West, I think you have to single out France in, in, this, in this case. And that's particularly true for countries like Mali, Central African Republic, and, and Burkina Faso. So uh, there is that fact. But also, uh, this African uh, generation, of course, want partnerships that work. So it's a bit risky uh, in, in a sense that Russia is not stepping into the, you know, the security space more. And uh, there's also the risk of failure. And if it fails, it is going to hemorrhage all of the goodwill that it has uh, in, in, in many parts, parts of the country. And the, the real threat or the, the real risk of that lies in the fact that if uh, these countries like Mali and Burkina Faso do not have a proper you know, uh, approach to dialoguing with countries within the region, I keep emphasizing this because many of the problems that they are going to face, whether with security, whether with political pressure from the West, would greatly de be determined by how much buying that regional countries, their neighbors have. Because these new regional countries can multiply the political pressure that the West is going to be exerting on them. But at the same time, these regional countries can be the solution to the security uh, challenges that they say brought them into power in the first place. Okay. Shazine, uh, you touched upon it uh, just a few minutes ago. How, how do you see the, the, the broader trajectory for European engagement in Africa with things such as uh, development aid. I mean, if that stops, the cycle of violence that we're seeing in, in, in many of, of these countries, the poverty, the poor living conditions, investment in infrastructure, I mean, all, all that will stop, won't it? Yes, there is indeed uh, the risk that um, we can see this trajectory uh, becoming real. And um, this is, of, of course, of great concern for Europeans. Um, because security and stability of countries in Africa also um, is closely associated with um, European security. So the idea of, for example, um, of terrorist strongholds being, um, being or emerging in uh, Mali would be extremely problematic for Europeans. Also, uh, overall instability might cause uh, new migration on the one hand on the continent which could then further um, of course deteriorate living conditions for people there but also um, lead to the need for a broader response um, and this at a time where europeans also are still struggling to redesign their um, migration policies so overall um, the situation is um, i think of great concern for europe and will be watched closely. 
although um, as things are really dynamic and changing quite quickly, it will be difficult to respond to that with a re really long-term strategy. Okay. So, I mean, in short, Europe can't afford not to be engaged in Africa right now. That is difficult to say, and I think um, it really depends on the conditions on the ground. So um, I think the French president has made it clear that um, involvement of Wagner Group is not compatible with the involvement of um, with uh, of French troops. Okay. And for example, the German defense minister has recently underlined that um, the, um, that the engagement of the German armed forces in the MINUSMA, so in the UN mission, um, does, I quote, not make sense uh -huh. under the current conditions. So I think there are really uh, considerations still going on. Okay, there, I'm afraid we're going to have to end it. Uh, we're out of time. Many thanks indeed uh, for being with us, uh, all of you. Sergei Malkov in Moscow, of Igwe Aguego in uh, Ankara and Shazine uh, Weber in uh, Paris. This episode was produced by Joseph John, Laura Khan, Michael Harwood and Paul Taylor. Studio sound was by Hasib Hashmi. The program was edited by Andre Oosthuizen, Lynn Guyan and Joe de Frias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode and thanks for listening. Tune in again on Tuesday for our next episode. Mm -hmm.